You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name is Sean Kelly, and I will be with you for the next two hours. Um, thank you to the, the Irish lads there and the Celtic Ramblings Programme. Always good. Uh, new faces in the studio. And uh, best of luck to them, lads. It was good to listen to them for the last few minutes. Um, in two hours, Lenny will be in with the Jazz Show. And in the studio, joining, joining me now is the A-League stats man, best wingman ever, Pete Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. How are you? Oh, I'm very well, Sean. How are you this morning? Good, mate. Just arranging all the dials and buttons and everything here as I go through. Um, yeah, no, look, marvellous. Wonderful day for football. One of the biggest days ever for Australian football. Yep. Um, we've got a team now in the quarterfinals. Um, you know, we're playing the French. Uh, underdogs where we'd like to be, but I think you know we're we're good enough, and that's all that matters. It's, it's a believable dream we could have a team in the semis. Oh yeah, and and we'd love we'd all love to see it. Yeah, um, I think the non-footballing uh, community media, to a degree, has assumed that we're already going to be in the final. There's a lot of people who don't understand the game, who yep. you know think it's like cricket or anything else we are not the dominant nation in the world um and this is this is going to be the fight of our lives the girls know it oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so you know look it is what it is um and at the end of the day they'll be there or they won't be and that's you know for me all that really matters is that we have a good game Alrighty, um news last time i was on i had a guest by the name of fran herndl the chick with the ball <laughs> Um, she's finished her marathon, 1,000 kilometres in 32 days, 
Well done, the young lady. Yes, very well done. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic achievement, and she should be congratulated for doing so. How did, I think how did a, she dribbled downhill? Very difficult. Actually, we spoke to her about that. That was yeah. the, probably, for her, the hardest part of it was the I can the imagine it would be because the ball's rolling away from you the whole time. But, look, and, and I probably wouldn't expect you to understand this, Pete, but a player, you know, a proper baller, would actually do that backwards. I would absolutely have no idea. Do it backwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because right, you can kick a ball up, he'll roll back to you. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's how I would go about it. But, you know, look, I'm a player. <laughs> <laughs> um, fresh news, Harry Kane off the plane. Yep. Um, decided that um, Bayern wasn't for him. And, look, there, there's been this argument about whether he should or whether he shouldn't. Yeah, he wants to go and win stuff. He hasn't won anything with Tottenham, obviously. Um, and now he's he has, uh, this season... He's on the right on the cusp of being the greatest goal scorer in England ever, mm. Mm. and he'll do that this season. Yeah, and and that stuff is um, you know ask Alan Shearer that's it's massive. Mm-hmm. So I think you know he's he's decided to stay, and you know look good for Ange, good for Tottenham. Yep, yep. Um, so you've you've obviously kept up with this more than me because last I heard he was definitely leaving. He was on the plane. Yeah, he was actually on the plane when he decided not to. Um, in other news, the APL have updated the um, collective bargaining for the Liberty A-League players. Mm-hmm. And um, that's actually pretty good. They've um, a 20% increase in, in wages is one part of it. Um, but the other part of it is that they're also going to um, have increased contracts and, and the, the youth players will not count as part of the salary cap. New Zealand players playing in the New Zealand team will not count as internationals. Um, oh, there's lots of good, you know, good common sense things done there. And again, <clears throat> raising the bar. We talk about pay parity, and I know there's been lots in in the news, and particularly out of the US about you know uh, equal pay. I think also you, you've got to look at the the amount of money generated for this World Cup is in the millions. Yep. Um, hundreds of millions, even, but the the France or the World Cup in France was billions. Yeah. So you know, yes, by all means, you can ask for a, a pay increase, but it's got to be in commensurate with what the game is is getting. Like those those tickets that they were selling at HBF um, were a reasonable price. Oh yeah, yeah. You paid twenty bucks a ticket. Right, and fantastic. if and if that was the men's game. Well, yeah, I don't think I'd be getting. I, even if it was, you know, Jamaica versus Haiti, I don't. It think would have be been 160 bucks, bucks yeah. a ticket at yeah. least. So, you know, I, I get it, I understand it, and I'm, I am for equality. But you've also then got to look at what the um, the sponsorship is actually drawing in, and then take your money from that side of it. So that's that's my personal opinion. Well, to be fair, if we had the men's World Cup here in Australia and we had exactly the same games in Perth, yeah, and they were 160 bucks a ticket. I wouldn't be buying two tickets to every game. No. I'd buy two tickets to one or two games. Yeah. At 160 bucks a pop. And and do you know why it won't happen? Why? We only have one stadium in the country big enough to host a men's game. Yeah. And yep. the group rounds, never mind the rest. Yep. So we we are way behind. I mean, we may think with our team on the precipice of greatness that we're a, a powerhouse football nation. We are not. We are third world in <laughs> in world terms. We are we are third world, and, and we've got to get our heads around that and understand that and embrace it and then get better. So that's my hobby horse. Um, <clears throat> talking about the ho- hobby horses, the Perth Glory 
yes. have announced their fan representative group, Glory 10. Um, ten individuals from across the, the Glory membership that have volunteered their, their time to be involved in, in reconnecting the club with the fan base. A couple of familiar names in there. Yeah, look, David yeah. Winkless is with the Shed Supporters Club. Um, uh, Trent, um, I can't pronounce his second name, but he is with the um, football... Uh, what is it? Foot, not Football Factory, the Football Centre in okay. North Perth. Yeah, he's yep. a coach up there. Um, some of the other names I've seen around. Um, <laughs> one, one familiar name in there is mine. Yep, there we go. So, yeah, look, very proudly part of that group, which is going to be called Glory 10. Um, we're going to have a meeting very shortly and discuss where we're at. So I can't actually say what we're about at this moment, but obviously... Um, I have my own interest in the glory um, and people that I represent and, and I feel for. I've been a, a lifelong fan since the, since the club started. I've been a, you know involved in the member. I've been a, sh- a shed boy. I've been a dad bringing kids. Um, I've been a single man going on his own with his mates. Yep. And I'm now there with my wife who is in a wheelchair and we, you know, that's our date night. That's where we go. Yep. So I, I have crossed a number of sections and, you know, there are a large number of people with uh, impaired mobility that go to these games that need representation. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's mine. And, you know, we try and get it back to what it was. And it, a very simple uh, thing that people say is, you know, bring back the glory days, um, you know, burnt snaggers, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kappa Kits and, and Steve Armstrong. Yeah. And, yeah, that's where we need to be. But we need to be modern day Steve Armstrong, modern day. That's right. Right. And I think, you know, one of, the, one of the things we have done that's been very smart is, is Stadger's coach. Yes. Yeah. And well, and especially with all the negative news that had been circling around the glory mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, going into receivership, which, you know, for a sports club, it isn't quite the death knell it might be for an ordinary business. Oh, administration, still, administration sorry, yeah. receivership are two different things. They're in administration. Sorry, and I think you'll find that the, yeah. the league will, if they, they do, will carry it for a while. That's right. Um, but, you know... At least now we we don't have Smithy as a coach. We've got a, you know a decent. Well, that's that's what I was getting. It's like yeah. you know we had the negative news, but then we had uh, Stadge yeah. Stadge on board. Which and as far as I know, Stadge doesn't have any children of playing age, so it's another good thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're going well. Um, and look, it's for me. I, I don't need any pushing or prodding to be engaged in the glory. I yeah. think it's it's just about how do we affect other people with that, and that's you know right. we we've. One of the things I do find in this state is it's quite negative. It doesn't matter what happens. We we could sign Ronaldo and they'd go, oh, he's too old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. We could, Ronaldo and Messi, go, they can't play in the same midfield together. You know, we, we're always good at picking the negatives. Let's, let's try and be positive about the club and the game and where we're headed. Well, one of the other things I did notice way back yeah. in the, the late 90s um, yeah. when the glory had their, shall we say, glory days, um, was we had a lot of casual fans Mm-hmm. Because the Eagles and the Dockers were very bad at the time. Oh yeah, they were. They weren't in finals. They Guess were losing what? All the, games. the stars are aligning. <laughs> That's well. What I'm what I was yeah. getting at is we're in the same position now. Yeah. Yet, yet we don't have the glory no. days that we had then. So what's the difference? Because we're under underperforming. We need we're to un- yeah. pitch performance and, and not necessarily winning. But just having a team out there that looks like they could win and look like they're busting up to do it is the important part. Yeah. And I think the other good thing about hitting rock bottom is to quote Yaz, the only way is up. That's right. <laughs> and the plastic population as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, again, 
That could be some of the fans, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after these ads with Tony Campbell, who is the coach of the state schoolboys um, sides, and we'll talk to him about the, the teams, boys and girls, that are going over east to represent the state. So back after these. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme. FM, your local station. All right, now we're back in the room there after Penn's dulcet tones, the mum of mum. (laughs) All right, we're joining us now. We have Tony Campbell. Tony is the coach of the state schoolboy side going over east. Tony, good morning. How are you? How are you doing? Uh, Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Doing well. And... um, Obviously, you've been involved in the, the school teams for a long time. You run your own um, school-based academy, but also with the state side, you, you've been hugely involved in that over the last few years. Um, do you want to just talk a bit about how the, the kids are selected and then what teams we have going over east? Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been involved, I think, 2009, yeah, I think I was first there. Sort of drafted in by Pete Rickers and uh, Damon Appel, and uh, that for a few years, and then still had a break. But it came back, and um, so this is, I think, the third, third year, third or fourth, third year. I think I've been back involved with this. And um, in terms of the uh, selection, we, we uh, COVID sort of helped us out a little bit because uh, we decided uh, myself and Alfred Bono, um, who I was, uh, I was his assistant manager too. We thought we were always talking about doing the district idea again. Um, he was involved when he was coaching many years ago in the 80s and 90s and I played in districts and I was always a big fan of it and I think it's the way to go really for development-wise and we thought during COVID let's let's try a, um, a district competition and uh, from there we'll select the select the squad so um, the last three years that's pretty much what we've done we've um, I've got some great uh, district coaches who take take the teams for me and um, do a couple of trials and we pick the teams and um, and then on on a on a day in, in the term two of the calendar we go down and, and we we pick a we, we have that district comp and we pick a thirty man squad from there and it's got to be the train ons and uh, from there we we have a couple of little trial games and then a couple of friendlies and uh, narrow it down to our sixteen. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's good. So how many teams do we actually have? Go- what age groups and, and how many teams do we have? Yeah, so for the, um, the state... Um, uh, for the state school boys, we have um, we sort of work around uh, the SFA, the Football West team. Yep. And um, so they, you know, for example, uh, going away in October, so they're going a little bit later. And I think they're going in the uh, in the next holidays. We're going a little bit before. So we're going week nine. So I think that's the second, third last, second week or third week in September. Mm-hmm. Um, we're heading off, and that's going to be the under 18s uh, girls teams, and it'll be the under 16s boys. That's that I'm myself and Alan Gallich is involved in. So we'll be going over then, and then uh, in October, uh, the under 12s boys and girls will be going over. So they, they, we have the under 12s, then then obviously Football West have their under 13s, or used to be 13s, 14s, but now it's 14s, 15s, but now I think they've changed it again um, to 15s, 16s, which doesn't really help our case very much, but um, <laughs> hmm. yeah, sort of always worth either side of them, um, and we haven't really sort of put teams in to sort of compete with them because we sort of just, you know, we feel like it's a process from 12, 13, 14, 15 through to 16. So, um, so yeah, so there's two of us going away, um, boys and the girls team. And I said, then the under 12 go away in, um, in the October holidays. All right. And, and where, where are this year's championships being held? Um, so I couldn't tell. I'm, I, to be honest, the, the 12, I couldn't tell you the 12. I should know. I did know. And I can't think off the top of my head. Um, where they're going. Um, it'll come to me as soon as I come off the radio with you, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, would, it, would it be at uh, School Sport uh, in the ACT? Well, we're going to the ACT. Okay. Um, I'm not too sure, because I know last year, for example, we were in New South Wales and the 12s actually had their the home championship, so they were in WA. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and the 12s yeah. would probably be in Victoria? They could be, yeah. That that does, yeah. They could be. But yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't like that. It's just not, it's not ringing a bell. That's that's not, that's, not that's what the website's telling me. Well, anyway. well thanks, thanks to Pete. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Pete, you're going to be well, on the right plane going where you need to be. So you know, that's, yeah, no, that's that's you're good. Put on there, then, so yeah. yeah. So. Um, for this, uh, this 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 group of boys that are going over, is it you you select kids yourselves, or you, you go out and watch? boys play or is, is it that they self-nominate and then you hold some trials and then some uh, training how long how long has this been going on in the background um yeah so the trials so the trials uh, so we've got um, five district teams so um our uh, my sort of district coaches um they do a couple of trials um and they usually get about anywhere from 20 to 40 uh 20 20 30 40 so far i think we had about 100 uh, 130 140 uh, kids try out for the 16s, which is which actually is very good, very good numbers. And mm. um, back in the day, before we did districts, we were lucky to get 70. Um, and uh, yes, we, that, that was sort of uh, early term one, so that would have been sort of March. Um, and then after we early May, we had the district comp, and then basically we had about six weeks to narrow the 30 down to um, uh, 16. The good thing with the districts is, that, uh, which we find better than the trials, is that it's, it's we actually get to see the players a little bit more, so we get to see them in actual competition because there is an actual trophy to be to be won. Yeah, and um, we sort of want to make it bigger, so you you are representing districts. So it meant something like it did for me and you know my generation of players back in the nineties. So we get to see them in that competition, but we also get to see them um, in terms of how they act during the day and how they respond during the day, and do they have that fortitude and sort of effort to keep going you know you know it's all very well mm. being brilliant in the first one or two games and looking like a superstar but if after that you're kind of giving up the goals because you're tired or a little bit sore 
you know, it's not the it's not really what we want, you know, because when we're over there in the uh, in the nationals, you know, we've got five games in five days, yeah. and yeah. you know, recovery and and going on and pushing yourself to that next level, and and um, it's, it's actually a really really important factor. It's not necessarily just <coughs> it's, you know the skill of it. It's it's uh, you know need technical ability. It's it's actually that desire, that effort, that. Um, to sort of keep going and pushing yourself, you know. Yeah, that, but, but you, kind of look the, the technical ability is, is great, but if you don't have the internal fortitude to, to go through the tough stuff, if you don't have the resilience, if you don't have the recovery, then there's a whole range of other things that you know you, you might be able to bounce the ball on your nose for fifty or sixty times. It doesn't make you a great player. And there, you know there are other parts of the game. The physicality steps up a notch. The speed steps up a notch. There's a whole range of factors that will feed into that and as you say you've got to back up on five games so in a very short period of time so there's a lot going on in that space oh, absolutely and I, and I think that's one of the biggest factors we're trying to look at when we do the trials is that and we say this we say this to the players you know this isn't, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a development competition we're there we're there to win yeah. you know this is this is steps into senior football I mean last year um when we played, uh, it was the first, first three games last year. I think I remember uh, speaking to you, and I came back last year. It was fantastic. We double was the team to watch. You know, there was over twenty goals in three games. One mm. uh, one drew one and lost one. It was thrilling stuff. But um, we we pretty much ran our legs by the uh, the fourth game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when we played New South Wales in that last game, you know, it, we, it was you know New South Wales. Just, it's, it's weird. Everyone else sort of drops off as the week goes on. New South Wales just gets stronger and stronger. And one of the reasons for that. You know, we played New South Wales last year, and they had seven Joey's in the squad. You know, yeah. seven players that are, you know already playing for Australia, and the vast majority are either playing 18 reserves, and a couple were playing first team. So that's 15, 16 year olds. Yeah. Um, in the New South Wales NPL league, which, mm. as we know, is streets. I mean, I don't, you know, don't want to disparage us of our own league here, but it is streets ahead. It literally is the second division of the A league. Yeah. Um, and when you're playing boys like that, you know, that's one of the things we look at is. You know, you know, do we have players who are great technical players, um, but are they playing schoolboy? You know, not schoolboy, but um, junior football, I should say. Mm-hmm. Or you know, do we have players who may not be technically strong, um, but play senior football? You know, that the the football that's that's yeah. um, not, not not necessarily going to be pretty because by the time you get to the fourth game, <laughs> believe me, some, and the fifth game, some of these boys are you know on fumes, mm-hmm. and and it's not always going to be the prettiest football. So. Can they be, you know, effective? Can they make the right choices when they're tired and they're sore and and the type of stuff that a senior football demands of you? You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, look, and, and I know that um, you know when I was coaching my my junior side, we had um, we had teams we played against that had junior um, national players in their sides, and I I had um, a particularly um, good defensive midfielder and his job was just to stop them from getting the ball and stop them doing anything with it when they got it mm. and and that in itself was a skill um you know it, it's one of those dark arts i suppose but you know some players don't have the silky skills and and be able to create like a, a ronaldo or a messi but what they are is they would do is stifle those players so it's it's a skill in itself and you need to be able to do that and and it, sometimes they're the warriors you need in the team Ah, yeah. I mean, they get, yeah. As I said, you know, we've, you know, we've, um, I sort of build up to the uh, since we picked the teams, we we've had a little bit. We had a, a, a team pull out of one of our friendlies, unfortunately, and um, 
you know, we had a uh, Red Star teams that we had up and running for next week, but we had to both cancel because of the catch-up NPL. Not Red Star's fault, not our fault. It's just, yeah. unfortunately, just mm. there's um, <clears throat> quite a few of our boys playing on the 16, which <clears throat> isn't ideal in one sense. Um, um, you know, I would, you know, we I do encourage, you know, the boys, you know, obviously not now, but to try and push, you know, next year to try and get start playing senior football because. Um, we did play Ashfield's uh, Resies and uh, first team, and, and we got beat. You know, not convincingly, did we, but we did. I think it was four or five nil at the end. Uh, and the biggest difference was, you know, um, it was basically, you know, at times boys playing against men. Um, and that's not to say we didn't play well and we didn't we weren't technical, but it's something that we have to learn because I say when you play New South Wales and Queensland to a lesser extent, it is you almost are playing men. And I often say, I've often said. When we have our, own, you know, the, the players, and I find out that nine, ten of them are still playing sixteen, I just have that little bit of a concern because it just that that sixteenth league just isn't strong enough. And some of these boys, well, all the boys I've got, are as I said to them, you know, if I'm if I'm coaching seniors in a couple of years, if I ever get back into coaching seniors, I'll be giving you a call because they are exceptionally talented players I've got in the squad. Mm. But they have to start learning, and they and they're, and they're going to hit the ground running because the biggest factor we found. Um, we played um, Asheville the other night. Was um, just the uh, just some of the decision makings where junior football they're getting away with, um, and senior football, and, and they got punished for two or three goals. Got punished just for basically junior mistakes, and it was quite a good, hopefully, an eye opener for the boys to to realise that it doesn't have to be pretty. You know, I think we got caught a couple of times trying to play it at the back because that's the way we've got it doing. It. And yeah, that's great. You want to teach kids how to play at the back, but. You know, there's, there's times when you do it, and there's times when you don't. And, and, and of course, where, that, you know, that's part of a player's development. Know, knowing when and when not to put it in Rosette is is a skill in itself. And, you you know, you don't get the, the time in uh, an 18s or a reserved football game, and certainly not in a first team football game to, to to play it out neat every time. So, you know, you, you do get put under pressure, and I think that's it's a fair point. Um, so where where have the, these boys come from? Where the, what sort of clubs are they been playing at, and, and are any of them playing 18s or reserves currently? Yeah, I think we've got about five or six playing 18s. Um, it's funny actually. I um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know more about the fact of which, 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 which schools are coming from the actual uh, the yeah. actual clubs. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. I do know there's uh, uh, yeah about four or five that are playing 18s. Um, I think one or two have had the other reserve game, which is you know what we want. Um, and the rest are sort of playing MPL um, uh, 16. So we've got about eight or nine playing 16s, which, um, <clears throat> as I said, is, it would be ideal if, if we get the majority playing 18s. Um, but, um, but uh, you know, uh, out of the three, three teams we've had, and we've had some, um, we've had last year's team was, was very, very good. And um, Team before that we went to Albany because we weren't allowed to go over east because of uh, yeah. the COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were decent as well, but I do feel this team is possibly the strongest of the three that we've got that we've had. Um, yeah. And there's some, like I said, very talented players. But and uh, I, I'm just like I said, I was saying before. I just hope that that little bit that game we had on Tuesday at Ashfield just maybe just get to get some thinking about you know that we have maybe just got to play a little bit smarter, not necessarily play the football that we're playing. On Sunday with our teams and under 16s, but maybe start playing to you know to actually this is really about going on there and winning and and, and, and doing your job. Yeah, 
Um, oh, look, and the, so, bo- the bottom yeah. line is, Tony, these boys are going to go out, they're going to represent the state. Um, for some of them, this may be the only time they ever do it. Others may go on to, to bigger and better. But, you know, this is where it starts and this is where you start to to really find out who you are as a footballer. So um, it's, it's great for the state. It's a great opportunity for these kids. Oh, look, it is. It's, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's the thing is, you know, um, going across. So we, we are going there to win. We, we, want, we want to get a medal. That's, that's it. That's, just, yeah. that's, that's, what it's, that's what it's about. Why else would you go across? But um, there's also a lot more to it as well uh, that, than, than just a medal. It is about players having this opportunity and playing against the best in the country because mm. it is the best in the country. You know, this isn't, you know, you know with the, when the FFA have their nationals, it's, New South Wales North, New South Wales Country, New South Wales Metro, New South Wales Blue, or and all yeah. this is just this is just New South Wales. This is literally the best eleven. Same as Queensland, it's it's the best uh, you know eleven that you're going to be playing against. Absolutely, and these things uh, stick with you forever. I, I know I've I've seen a couple of posts in the local. Um, local state league page where um, one of the guys there who played back in, I don't know, the, the mid or late 80s is showing some very grainy video of him playing against... That was, uh, um, Laurie yeah. uh, Carboni, I think, wasn't it? It was, was Laurie, yes. Yeah, and then there's a John Alarissi missing a penalty, you know. Um, <laughs> so these, these things will stick with you forever, you know. When you're, you're too old to play football and, you know, you, you get to a point where... You, you were great, a great international player as a, as a 14 or 15-year-old. Um, now you, you look back at these memories and think, you know, there were players out there that, that he played against that are, are home, homegrown internationals and household names. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the stuff that memories are made of. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's, there's two elements, you know, to it. Are, you know, other than just the football and winning and that type of stuff. And that's number one. I said, yeah, create memories. I mean, I say it's say it when we, you know, at local level, school level, you know, when you get to a semi-final or a final, you know, you know, create memory, create a memory, you know, as a team that, that you know, if you catch up in 10 years time, you see someone you used to play with and the, the first thing you say is, oh, do you remember this? I mean, I was, when I went to play Masters um, uh, 10 years ago now, I, was, I went down to the first training session and I thought, look, is that, is that, is that Paul Quayle, is that Paul Quayle? And they yeah. sort of... He goes, oh, TC, can you, you think Hogan? He was um, one of the dads of uh, one of the players I played with. Yeah. And the first thing we said, oh, I remember that kind of Corinthian team when we won the league and we won the cup and, you know, yeah. and oh, what a great team we had. And straight away, it was just, you know. Absolutely. Terrible. No, it's great I mean, stuff, Tony. Now, um, the boys are flying out, The you said, the second or third week of September? Um, yeah, so I think it's the 13th, 14th, I think. Okay. Um, I used to have this stuff off, yeah. off the top of my head, but now, um, and now I'm the sort of coach. Oh, you went to be manager. I used to know every day, every single yeah. thing that was going on because I had to. Now, now I'm the coach. You know, I get looked after. Your, by pe- my your people do that for you. <laughs> no, I, I get it, mate. All I've right, got, thank I've you for being. Thank you. thank you for being on. Um, we'll catch up with you when you come back, and hopefully, we'll talk to one of the boys that's been there as well. Yeah, we'll be. I'll, uh, I'll definitely try and bring. Uh, well, I will. I'll bring one of the boys in and uh, give it, give it from his perspective. And um, I said because uh, I think it's, it's all very well me as a coach, yeah. you know, as a manager, and that. That'd be great to get a player's but, perspective. As I said, if we can get someone in to talk and, and, and basically highlight, hopefully, what he's learned. Because I said, yeah. the, the, the 16 we've got are a great group. And I think them going away, I think, will make them, when they come back, they'll be better players. Because they'll see and they'll know what they have to do and where they are and sort of um, yeah. and uh, you know, what, the ne- what that next stage Thank is. Thank you they very, are very much, players. Tony. Best of luck for you and the boys when you go, out, uh, go away. All right, brilliant, and I'll uh, yeah, great, and uh, we'll let you know how we. I'll I'll keep everyone up to date, hopefully on Facebook and so on, and sort yeah. of uh, like last year. 
Thanks, hopefully mate. it'll be uh, positive stuff. Take care. Thanks, Tony. Okay, TC from the state um, schoolboys. Um, look, great experience for the boys, if nothing else. And I think, you know, great to go out there and put yourself up against the, the best we have. Yep, and see if you fall into that category yourself. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to go to some messages. Um, we'll be back after this with Simon Hill um, and maybe we'll do the NPL roundup for today. We can do that. Um, all games are starting, I think, at 9, 11 and 1 today. For, no, because no of, I, oh, if I can find the right page. Yeah. No, there was, some, there was some rescheduling, but some are yeah. still at 3 o'clock. So if I can find Ooh, the right page. Oh, I don't think I can... they can be. I don't think oh, they can that's, be that's... today. There's a, yeah. Anyway, we'll see. All right, we'll be back after these. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at futsalwa.org.au You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, and the NPL are continuing this round. So, despite what Sean may have said, apparently there are still some three o'clock kickoffs. So, this is according to Football West as of yesterday afternoon. The fixtures today are Perth SC versus Olympic Kingsway, which is a three o'clock kickoff for the firsts. Sorrento FC versus Inglewood United is a 1 pm kickoff. Coburn City against Perth Glory is a 1pm kickoff. Perth Red Star against Balcata Etna is a 3pm kickoff. Armadale's hosting Florida Athena with a 5 o'clock kickoff. And Bayswater City versus Sterling Macedonia is again a 3 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, lots so of those games have been changed around because of the, the Matildas well, playing. Well, this is according to Football West yeah, yeah. yesterday afternoon. So I know. You know. Oh, look, I know our own club. Probably we've got contact games. The, yeah, contact the club to check. 9, 11 and, and 1 because of yep. the Matildas. Yep, that's um, And someone who's very much involved with the uh, World Cup at the moment is uh, Channel 10 commentator who's working for the World Feed in the voice of Football Australia, Simon Hill. Good morning, Simon. How are you? Very good, guys. How are you? Excellent. Um, it's been an absolutely captivating tournament um, to absolutely gold quality games last yeah. night um, and I, I read an article by you that said that the Sweden-Japan game last night will have a bigger influence on the outcome of the World Cup than any of the other games um, and I know you were at that game and giving it a call um, it was absolutely brilliant game to watch Yeah it was, it was very tense um, I thought Sweden had won it to be honest when they went 2-0 up 
Yeah. Uh, Japan were very flat up until the 63rd minute. I think it took before they had their first shot on goal. But, uh, yeah, they made it a grandstand finish with uh, uh, getting one back through Hayashi. And uh, in the end, were perhaps a little bit unfortunate not to take it to extra time. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if that is the game that produces the eventual winner. I mean, Japan were a lot of people's favourites. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't play well last night. And I think for that, you've got to give Sweden a lot of credit. They were very well organised tactically astute they dominated the midfield and uh, they've been close in each of the last three tournaments now olympics euros and uh world cup in 2019 so so maybe this is their time who knows oh absolutely they are looking the goods very consistent mm. and um they, they they play some mesmerizing football as as do spain and you know I know Spain got beaten quite convincingly by the japanese but again last night they they were in irresistible form yeah, and obviously this is a game that went to extra time. Uh, the Netherlands equalised very late on, yes, but yes. Uh, Spain showing their qualities. And you know, when you consider that a lot of the players that are, are normally automatic first choice picks are not at this World Cup for Spain because of uh, the fallout with uh, the row with their coach Jorge Vilda, um, that shows you the depth of Spanish football. Of course, they've got the uh, uh, the Women's Champions League winners from last year in Barcelona. They provided a lot of the players for the squad. Real Madrid, of course. Uh, a lot of players as well. So, you know, that, that semi-final between Spain and Sweden is going to be fascinating. And mm. uh, I, I think we read out a stat last night. They've played 11 times before, and Spain have never won. <laughs> so uh, they're going to have to create a bit of history if they're going to get to the final. Yeah. Oh, absolutely they will, um, as will everyone that's left in it, because no, no team left in the draw now has won a World Cup. Mm. Yeah, it's, we're going to have a new name on the trophy, which I think is great. Mm. Uh, you know, it's been a... A World Cup of, of shocks, um, you know, the United States going out in the round of 16. First time they've never made the semifinals. Uh, Germany going out in the group, which was uh, absolutely extraordinary, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Oh, um, Canada. And, you know, the emergence of new, yeah, Canada as well, the Olympic yeah. gold medalists. So we're seeing the emergence of, uh, of new nations um, who are investing an awful lot of money in their women's programs. And, you know, this World Cup is the end result of that. Oh, look, uh, I think African nations can, can hold their heads high. Um, Jamaica, when we say about in- investing a lot of money, I don't think the Jamaicans have. Yeah, no, I and think they need to go fund me to, yeah. uh, to make it. And, they, and they've succeeded, yeah. you know. It's great to see. Yeah. What's your thought on the 32-team format? came under a lot of... Um, a lot of criticism before the competition that there wasn't the depth around the world. It was going to be a second-rate competition. Um, your thoughts on the 32-team format? Well, I think it's worked. I think it's been brilliant, to yeah. be honest. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, in terms of pure mathematics, it works better as well because as yes. we saw with that uh, doubleheader involving Germany and South Korea and Colombia and Morocco in the group stage... You know, one goal either way could have completely changed the projection of the group. Um, so it maintained the interest. We had, no, you know, we have no dead robbers. We have no third place teams going through on countback or mm. best third place mm. in the, in another mini league table. So, yeah. you know, in terms of the pure mass, it works really well. But the depth has been there. Um, you know, when I saw Morocco in that, I call their first game against Germany, they got smashed 6-0, and I thought, well, they're going to be at home before the postcards. But, yeah, you know, yeah. they ended up going through to the round of 16. So, yes. yeah. yeah, it's uh, been brilliant. 
Yeah, look, and, and certainly has. And I know, like, Colombia, rated 25 in the world, uh, are still now in the in the quarterfinals. So, yeah. uh, and again, they're coming up against a, a very good English English side. But, you know, they, they've just got that little touch of charisma and magic that maybe um, could undo England. Well, it's entirely possible. I mean, you know, when you look at uh, uh, Linda Caicedo, who's only 18 years of age, um, and she's going to be one of the big stars of world football. Uh, their captain, uh, Catalina Usme, is a terrific player. You look at her goal that she scored to knock out Jamaica, that first touch. Uh, I mean, it's it's world class. So, you know, they, they've got the weapons that can certainly hurt England, who were awful against Nigeria in the yeah. round of 16. I don't know how they got through, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hit every branch of the lucky tree, I think, on the way through. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, they, 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 the good thing for England is they, they surely can't play as badly as that again. No. Uh, so that'll be a fascinating clash later today. But we've also seen this in World Cups. We've seen teams that have had a staggering and faltering group round who've, who've snuck through yeah. in the group round, who've had terrible um, knockout games but still managed to find a way to win. And, and they end up winning, yeah. and I think of Italy, a, a classic at that. But you know, it is possible that England could be just going to switch it on. Well, obviously, you know, being English by birth, I hope so, um, because they've certainly got the ability and, uh, you know, they are the reigning European champions. Uh, they're going to have to do it without Lauren James, of course, because she's suspended for uh, for a couple of matches, mm. um, which is unfortunate. But they've got Kira Walsh back. And uh, as I say, surely they, they can't play as badly as they, <laughs> they did in the last round. So uh, fingers crossed. I know English and quarter or semi-finals, it's always possible, you know. Um, it's in their locker. Um Obviously, now that the, the French and Australian game is the only game that seems to be um, captivating people in this country that don't know the game. But um, yeah. France, no pushover. Very, very good side um, quality all over the park. Absolutely. In particular, either end of the pitch. Um, you know, they've got two world-class players in particular. Wendy Renard, who is uh, probably the best central defender in women's world football. If she comes up against Sam Kerr, providing... Sam Kerr starts, of course, if she's yep. fit, mm-hmm. then that will be one key battle. And at the other end, Eugenie Le Sommer, uh, who scored a few goals already at this uh, Women's World Cup. She's going to uh, be one that Australia are going to have to keep an eye on very closely if they're going to get through. So, you know, the, 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 the tests get a lot tougher from here on in for yep. the Matildas, but... It's great that they're capturing so much attention. Oh, absolutely. And I think when you look at it, you know, yeah, Samaria's a hell of a player, but um, we've had a couple of quiet achievers in the back back line there. And, and Kennedy and Hunt have really mm-hmm. formed a, a really strong centre-back relationship. And, you know, with, with the yeah. two full-backs who are, again, world-class players themselves, that, that back line is, is pretty good. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've looked solid in defence, you know, which we haven't done for a long time. Well, look, it's certainly improved. I mean, obviously, there was uh, a bit of a blip against Nigeria um, where we saw some defensive errors. So I don't think it's been eradicated completely. And that was my fear going into this tournament. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I've been particularly impressed with Claire Hunt. I mean, she's been outstanding, to be honest, given that she's very new to the international arena. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, for for a long time, that partnership of Polkinghorne and Kennedy was almost nailed in stone. Yes. Um, but Claire Hunt, I would say, is now the automatic first pick, and it's it's who partners her. So that's how good she's been. 
I'm pretty sure she'll be heading off overseas at some point to play for a European club because she's that good. Yeah. Um, but let's see how she goes today against uh, La Sommeir. This is uh, a, a different level of, of test today, I think. Oh yeah, without a doubt, this is where the you know, the, the, the talent all comes out, and you, you can't leave anything on the park. Um, I was interested. You, you mentioned before about Jorge uh, Vilde and the relationship he has with his players. Now you, you hear it all across the the world that the players lost the dressing room. Now he's lost that dressing room a long time ago, and they're still where they are. It, 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 that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> Well, sometimes football doesn't make any sense. And, no. uh, you know, the old saying is uh, you don't always have to like the people you work with or work for. And, uh, I mean, that's certainly been the case in my career. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if, if you've got a common goal, then, then you have to get on with it, don't you? So yeah. uh, there's no doubt that they've got terrific uh, ability in that team. Alexia Puteas is one of the best players in the world. Bon Mati as well. Uh, and the young striker, um, whose name evades me just for the moment, uh, only 19 years of age, who scored mm. the winner against the Netherlands. So, you know, they've got quality in their ranks. Um, as I say, particularly as they've, they've managed to get to this stage without several established first-teamers who've stayed at home because of those protests. Yeah. Um, if they win it, well, the Spanish Federation's decision to keep Builder will be vindicated, won't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. it will be. And, I, and quite often you say, well, why didn't they stick with the coach? You know, player power shouldn't do that. And, yeah, look, they're doing it. It's just strange when you see the whole team celebrating and the coach stood there on his own, not involved. But, you know... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strange, well, strange he picks things. The team, doesn't he? he does. <laughs> um, now... The media coverage on this this tournament within and particularly in WA is unprecedented. You know, I've opened yeah. the back page of the West today has the World Cup on it, not Aussie Rules football. Um, it's yeah. been like that since the start of the tournament. Lots of stories, particularly around Sam Kerr, and and but today has been yeah. a lot of stories about the cup in general. The TV coverage has been phenomenal. Um, you know yeah. and. The, the, the viewing just, audiences have been, have been massive. I, I was going to say, I just yeah. wish we had a few more free-to-air games in the group stages. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's just me. Well, look, you know, that, that's that's a question for the government, really. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, they, they, they make the decision as to what events are on the protected list, the anti-siphoning list. And, uh, you know, they, this has probably been a wake-up call for them as well. We always knew in the football community that this tournament would be massive. Yeah. Uh, it appears that the mainstream has, has finally woken up. My fear, obviously, it's great that the coverage that they're getting at the moment, uh, no doubt about it. But, you know, my fear is, is that as soon as the circus moves out of town, which it's going to next week, that we'll be back to the previous levels of coverage for our game. Yes. And uh, that's something that we have to fix. You know, we've got a domestic season starting in uh, a month or two's time, both men's and women's. Yeah. And it'd be nice to think that some of those papers who are given it such uh, blanket coverage at the moment would continue to cover our game into the new domestic season. But, uh, you know, I have my doubts, to be honest. Same here. Yeah. And look, we, in 2015, we, we didn't make the most of having the AFC Championships here. Are, are we going to repeat the, the same mistakes again? I mean, the APL need to, and, and the FA need to be, you know, purchasing as much real estate off this as they can. Um, I know there's a great story today um, about Albanese's promise to give a, a day off if, if Australia win the World Cup. <laughs> He's passed the buck but, on that but and the, put the, it to the, re, the, re, yeah, the retort was, don't worry about the day off. How about funding us properly? Because yeah. that's Correct. where we need to be. And I think that, that was, from one of the players, a much, much better argument. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. 
yeah. it's quite obvious. There's, there's little girls and little boys out there who want to play football and we don't have enough space. We don't have the funding. We, you know, the AFL still gets the major share of funding. Well, that's correct. And everything you've said, uh, I can't argue with. Um, but also, and whilst I agree that the government should be investing more funds in football, um, it's also incumbent upon the APL, their clubs around the country, to engage with those supporters who have turned up in such great numbers around the country for this World Cup. Now, yeah. you know, I would estimate, all right, there's, there's a few that have flown in from overseas. There's no doubt about that. But the vast majority of those supporters in the stadiums will be based in Australia and New Zealand. Mm. What are we doing as a code to attract them, not just for the big events, but week in, week out to watch our club sides, both men and women? Uh, and that's the fatal disconnect. And, you know, you can bang on about participation. Oh, we're going to see a big spike in participants. We've already got participants coming out of our ears, more than we know what to do with. Yeah. What we need is fans paying their money to go and watch the games. That's what supports a professional league uh, and pays for those infrastructure developments and stadiums, etc. So, you know, that, that's what we need to have. And again, it's missing from the conversation. It's all about, you know, oh, this is going to be great because we've got another 60,000 players coming. We don't need players with the greatest respect. We've got enough of those. We need fans who pay their money. Absolutely. And I think when we talk about the, the grassroots, a lot of it is the is children playing, who, which is great, yeah. but their parents are supporting rugby league or AFL or some other sport. And, yeah. and it's about growing those into being football fans. Um, Perth Glory have an immensely damaged IP and connection with their fans. They've just um, announced they're going to have a fan representative group to try and break down some of those barriers. So, you know, I think we we know it. The the APL, um, I know they made a financial decision to have the the finals in Sydney, and Pete and I split over that one. But (laughs) but again, that was was a decision made without fan input and without thinking what the history of the game was and what the fans wanted. And fans want home games, home finals. And interestingly, that was also announced right as we're riding all the goodwill from the Socceroos performance at the last World Cup and all that just, you know, dissipated as soon as they announced the the grand final decision. Well, absolutely. And uh, look, again, you won't get any argument from me in in that discussion. And, you know, it's about putting the fan at the centre of all these decisions that are made around football. And that's something that we have not done well enough. Now, in fairness to the APL, what I would say is that we saw yesterday uh, they've announced this Liberty uh, A-League Women's Pass. Yeah. Um, so yes. on the 16th, they're going to go free. Unfortunately, Perth yes. and Wellington are not yes. included. Yes. I don't know why. Uh, I have no idea why. I, I, I'm um, going to make it my mission to find out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find out why. But, yeah, it's it just seems dumb. And I, I go back to, and we are talking before the show, Pete and I, about the glory days. And a lot of that was <laughs> that the kids were, were either getting a free pass or they were getting in for next to nothing. Yep. And if, you, if the kids are going, the parents who pay for the tickets bring them. And then you can work on that, the, the fan engagement and the... the the spectator experience, that then they go, you know what, yeah. this this is actually fun. We'll 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 come. We'll we'll be a regular for this, mm. and that's how we've got to grow it. Yep. Well, it's look, it, you know, it's about getting fans to identify with their club in the same way that at the moment they're identifying either with their nation, be it Australia, yep. or the nation of their heritage, be it Colombia or Jamaica or wherever it is. 
Um, so it, it's not an easy fix. There's no doubt about that. Um, but they've got to start putting that work in and putting the fan at the centre of, of all those experiences. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I think it was the great Jock Steen who said, uh, without fans, football is nothing. And, and he's right because, yeah. hmm. or was right, um, because otherwise it's just a kickabout on a park. And yeah. if we're going to have a proper professional league that works, then we need the support of the Australian and New Zealand public yeah. uh, to make it work. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's always been the big test for football in this country. We've got another big opportunity here on the back of this Women's World Cup. You're right that we stuffed it up after the Men's World Cup. We cannot afford to do the same thing again. No, absolutely. Now, I think also when you look back at grassroots football, um, there are still people who, who refer to the NSL clubs and there's there's all this little divides and, and self-interest that, um, that obviously divide football. And I, I know people in WA involved in AFL and the Waffle who say that, that they're worried about the, the sleeping giant that is football, but then when they watch us fight and bicker amongst ourselves and, <laughs> yeah. and shoot ourselves in the foot repeatedly, they're not that worried. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that we're a divided game and have been historically, and everybody looks after their own small piece of an ever-diminishing pie. Mm. Uh, and until we actually all come together and work for the good of the game rather than our own little piece of it, then that will always continue. And, you know, we, we have these breakthrough moments once every few years where everybody goes, oh, wow, you know, the, the sleeping giant is, is awake. Uh, and then we go back to sleep for the next three years. Yep. So we've got to try and prevent that cycle of boom and bust, boom and bust. Um, it's not easy. And I don't pretend to have, you know, any of the answers, to be honest. No. I'm just an observer like everybody else. But uh, it is immensely frustrating that we cannot deliver on the huge potential that we have. Uh, maybe now's the moment. Who knows? But uh, I guess the proof will be when the domestic season starts and, uh, you know, whether some of those fans turn up on a regular basis week in, week out. That's the key. Yeah, oh, look, and the APL are doing some good stuff. The other Liberty A-League's announcement this week was the collective bargaining agreement for the players, a mm. um, 20% pay yep. increase, which is to be lauded. And, well, and we, uh, if we can afford it, yeah. 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 Oh, no, look, <laughs> and I suppose that's the other thing. We, we've had, obviously, um, Megan Rappenhoe making big noises about pay parity, and it, again, is driven by sponsorship and money coming into the game. And I still see that a lot of the sponsors expect the, the women players to be involved in their sponsoring their products for free or for nothing uh, or for very yeah. small payments. Mm. And, and again, I don't have a problem with, with professionalising and paying people what they're, they're worth and, and what they, they get. But the sponsors themselves have also got to, to wake up and, and not be misogynistic in the way they treat women. Well, look, I totally agree with that. Um, it's, you know, again, I'm not a businessman. I'm not an economist. I, I don't know what return businesses get, but obviously, you know, they make commercial decisions. Um, yeah, yeah. And nobody can force anybody to put uh, their money into any sports. Um, so, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I don't have an answer to that one. Obviously, yeah. you know, pay parity is, is vitally important. But across the game, you know, it's it's not about men or women individually. It's about the game collectively. Yes. And if the game is doing well, then equal pay and higher pay for both will follow. 
Yeah, definitely. But I think in markability, you know, when you look at people like um, Kerr and Rasso, I'd rather be looking at them than Harry Kane. Yeah, but they or... don't play here. No, they don't play no, here. exactly. That's but, the problem. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but we have, we do have some very marketable people playing within Australia as well. I think we we we're not doing enough in that area um, to to raise the profile of the game. And as you said, for the good of the game. Um, we, we need to be doing that. I thought it was interesting that the French had a, a campaign mm. where they um, had some some uh, moves and, and playing action and superimposed male players' heads on what was the female players' actions. And then... Yeah, it was a very clever advert. It was an extremely yep. clever advert yeah. and said, you know, we'd all be raving over this if this was a male player. If this was Mbappe doing this, we'd all be going to lose their minds. But yeah. now now yeah. it's Le Samir and... We go, oh, yeah, but it's only a girl. No, it's not. It's it's great football. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can't, I, I, can't thought, argue with that. I thought that was an absolutely massive, massive advert campaign. I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, yeah. Yep. All right, so today we've got this massive game. It's probably the biggest game that Australia's had in a long, long time. Yep. Um, your feelings on, on France-Australia? Well, I think it could go either way, to be honest. I mean, obviously, this is the, the toughest test for Australia, but uh, equally so for France. Um, I think the crowd's got a big part to play. Uh, you know, the, the girls will be fired up. Uh, I don't know if Sam Kerr starts or not. I, I don't think that is probably the, the key question. It, it's about whether Australia can reach the same levels that they uh, showed against Denmark and particularly against Canada in that final group game. So, yeah. you know, if, if they can do that then and play their own game and keep an eye on Le Sommaire, then, uh, you know, hopefully they can get through to the semis. Absolutely. Now, the the England-Columbia game? Yeah, well, obviously, I'm hoping that England can do it, <laughs> but uh, I'm a little bit concerned, given that uh, I watched Colombia against Jamaica, and as I've already mentioned, they've got some very talented players, particularly Caicedo and Usme. So uh, they need to lift their level at least... Uh, by 50%, I think, on how they played against Nigeria, that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and your tip for the overall winner? Uh, overall winner, Sweden. Interesting. Yeah, no, look, yeah. they've been very, very consistent. And, um, by, I mean, that side of the draw yeah. has, has really been an exciting side of the draw. Um, yeah, we've had some great games and some interesting results in, in the side that Australia in, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I was looking at that side of the now draw. Boys, thinking, now, listen, yeah. now listen, guys, my apologies, but I'm going to have to go because yep. I'm about to watch a New Zealand Northern League game between uh, Takapuna and Auckland City, and they're about to kick off. Sounds like honest <laughs> football, Simon. Thank That's you right. very much for your time, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Cheers. Simon. Cheers, guys. All the best. Bye-bye. Okay. Simon Auckland Hill. City. I yeah. believe they actually hold the record for the most number of appearance at the FIFA Club World Cup because <laughs> they go through as the Oceania champions pretty much every year. So yeah. while you're... Your real Madrids and your Manchester Cities might get there once every now and then. Uh, Auckland City are actually the uh, the team there. Look at you go, Statman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of advertising, something yeah. else I'd just to mention is I was pleasantly surprised uh, this week, maybe even last week, um, to see adverts for Glory memberships on television. Yes. I sort of, you know, almost, I think I dropped my glass when I sort of, suddenly the Glory's on TV and I'm like, hang on, what's going on here? So, um, I know, look, I think... Um, there's there's a lot going right at the glory. It's just that you know one of the things we've got to do is is actually prove it, and yeah. I, I think that's that's going to be the the hard part. Um, be a lot of pressure on Stage to to actually win games and and get us to finals. For me, I I just love us to see us back in the F, FFA Cup. But you know, 
No, no, but there was a game yeah. played. There was a game played during the week. Oh, of course. Um, Florida here. Athena versus yep. Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, that was the last WA based side That's in right. the league so gone. We're all out. Yep. Um, and I don't like it. No, well, as I mentioned last time I was on air, the WA State League sides have a woeful record in the cup. We've had one win out of about sixteen or seventeen matches, mm. and kudos for the win. And and as I said at the time, look, I. I Nothing against Florida Athena because they're playing a A League side. You sort yes. of, you sort of go, okay, that one you ex- well not expect to lose, but yeah. But uh, last year we had um, Armadale was at home against a second division. I was South there. Australian team, yeah. and yeah, that was, uh, that was and uh, yeah, disappointing. Let's, let's just say yeah, that. but I suppose the thing is that we we and we'll talk to to Phil Kelly shortly about where we are as a state, but yeah. um, I think. Over there, they've been professional for a long time. The the even the second division sides in those states are professional, um, and you know, we we've we've long been the wild wild west and yeah, and yeah. bulked away from it. And we moan about the money that they've gotten. Oh, they've got pokies, you know. A lot of them don't, mm. um, and a lot of them are just clubs that are trying to get on. But they they're much better structured. They they are able to gain. Um, some good sponsorship, and you know we, we talk about players leaving us for for the money. They also leave us for the competition. So yep. a lot of those sides that we we play come back with players that have left WA, and it's not just in the men's; it's in the women's as well. Yep. You know, Larissa Walsh has gone over east um, and playing very well over there. But to lift your game to that next level, that's where we've got to be. Um, I talk about the the MPL, and, and I think it's a a flawed and failed experiment here. Mm. It's a, it's not, it's a product. It's, it's a, it's not an actual thing. Yeah. It's just a product. And I don't think it's achieved what it was supposed to achieve, which is to develop the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you look at this, the playing rosters for a lot of these sides in the NPL, they're not playing players of the age. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, well, Look, for, for I've got the stats up now. Yeah. For, for results only between state league sides yep. in the Cup, um, you know, Western Australia's played 13 games for one win. Mm. Um, for the record, Tasmania's played nine games and won twice. So even, a, a similar a similar size playing population would be South Australia. Yep. Um, what, what's the South Australian team? Uh, played teams? 15 games, won eight of them, lost seven. Yeah. So... So when you talk about playing population, South Australia is a very, very similar size player group yep. to our state. Yep. They've got much more professionals than we did. That's right. Well, that, and, yeah. that, and it shows in the results there. I mean, let's just say thank goodness the Northern Territory is in there as well. Otherwise, we'd be uh, bottom of the table there. Yeah. If, oh, no, look, if it, one of those NT teams pulls off a shock win and gets a win, they'll actually climb above WA on the, on that ladder. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, look, and I think the Floriot, you know, great representation for a state league side up against an A-league side, yes, always yes. going to be difficult. Um, but also uh, Kingsway, who provided the ground, it looked magnificent on the night. It, you know, the the grounds team did a great job of preparing the ground. Yep. Kingsway as a club have done a lot to that stadium, including the, the 500 Lux lights, etc. So it's all, you know, there are some some things happening Head in the right direction. Oh, we yeah. talk about player experience and and obviously the the fan experience. You know, years ago, if you went to Kingsway, you were stood around a fence that had been there since the seventies <laughs> and just you know standing up watching Bring Your Own Chair. Yeah. Now they've got a decent stand, decent lights. Uh, everything's 
pointing in the right direction, and I think you know, we've got to follow that lead. Yes. Forest Field in First Division have done the same. Yep, they do. Um, Mandra play out of a great facility, as do Rockingham. Um, Rockingham share that now with the glory. Um, obviously, Sterling have through glory last year spent an awful lot of money on their yep. facility. Yep. Uh, we're growing the game, and that's that's where we we don't stand where we where we sit. You know, there are, there are people who sign for a, a club in Division 2 who think they've just signed for Man City, <laughs> and they haven't. Yeah, yeah. You know, this, we're very, very embryonic in developing a, a decent and strong league. Yes, yeah. And, and look, we can get, you know, maybe... So next year will actually be the 10th round, 10th iteration of the FFA Cup, which... Um, Kind of hard to believe because I still think of it as the new cup competition. I didn't realise it's already been going that long. Yeah, but um, you know, Western Australian teams put on a one or two, two of them put on a decent cup run, and suddenly it'll all be cheers and smiles for me again. Absolutely. Um, no, look, I think it, it's happening, and I think yeah. we, you know, we've just got to stop again um, fighting each other. Um, and you know, there's there's lots of discussion around whether the glory should be in the NPL. Mm. Um, they are, <laughs> so deal with it. Um, and now they've also some some talk about them bringing back in players that were um, playing in their first team or played against West Ham yep. now being brought back into the NPL side to play, yep. and and players like Collie who's been you know uh, I actually thought he he'd already he'd left the club. No, no, no. no. Um, Since the coach departed, he's got a reason to stay. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. No, no, but but there's the um, the lad that we who's going to Fulham um, is playing for them and quite interestingly registers an amateur. So okay. um, I don't know how the glory managed to get any money out of that deal. Interesting. Yeah. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Um, NPL games we've covered. We've got the um, state, state, state league, league first division. division. First yeah. division. Okay. So uh, we have Joondalup United at home against Gwellup, Croatia. That one's marked down for a 1 PM kickoff. Fremantle City against Gosnell City. Now, that's part of Fremantle's Super Saturday down at Hilton Park. And if you're listening here, that kicked off five minutes ago. Uh, UWA Nedlands against Dinella White Eagles is kicking off at 12pm. Subiaco uh, at home against Western Knights. That's still marked down as a 3pm kickoff. Mandurah City at home to Forestfield United. That's a one o'clock kickoff. And Rockingham City at home against Mum FC. Again, that's still marked down as a 3 p.m. kickoff at the moment. Uh, and while Sean's on the phone, I'll move on to State League Division 2. Uh, we have Ashfield at home against Maddington Kalamunda, which is a 1 o'clock kickoff. Canning City at home against Swan United, 3 o'clock. Caramar Shamrock Rovers at home to Morley Windmills at 1 p.m. Wanneroo City at home against Belga. That's still down as a 3 p.m. kickoff. Joondalup City at home against Curtin Uni at 1 p.m. And last of all, Kingsley Westside versus Quinns at 5 p.m. And, Sean, I'm a little bit surprised we don't have more. So I can only see two of the matches, one in the NPL, one in the, in Division 2, that have gone for the later kickoff, gone for a you know 5 p.m. kickoff. So, you know, Matilda's game and then yeah. kick the match. I would have thought... I would have thought you might need your mic on. There we go. And, uh, and what clubs were they? Uh, it was uh, Armadale and Kingsley Westside. It does surprise me with both of those because England will be playing around about that time. <laughs> and, you know, but both of them... Um, Actually, sorry, that's a good point. I'd forgotten that there's another game as well. There are so, other yeah, games. Yeah. In, there are other there's games. There's only one game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. 
Oh, no, look, there is only one game as most of, of Australia is concerned. But, yes, there is another game and it does involve good, good point, yeah. England. Yeah. And, and, look, I know that when I finish at the, the station here, instead of going to Ashfield and watching the first team play, I'm going home to get ready to watch the, the Tillies play. Yep. And then I'm going to back it up watching England play. And I was very disappointed. I couldn't get out of work yesterday to go and watch both those games because <laughs> right now this is the business end and, and I love the game. Well, I I stopped by Brumbies as I normally do this morning yeah. uh, in the mornings and got my coffee and thought I'd get something to eat as well and had a croissant and as I was halfway through it I was like I don't know if I've just jinxed the Tillies by having a croissant or it's gone the other way and I'm you know no no look you, you're with them you, what you've actually done is destroyed a croissant that's, that's exactly yeah, the word you, I you used destroyed too destroyed so, it yeah. mate all right, all right. okay we're going to go to a break we'll be back after this with Phil Kelly who is a member of the State League Standing Committee and it's our pick that out of the net session so we'll talk to him about the things that have interested him out of the electronic media cycle. Okay. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at Gate and Fence Hardware dot com dot au station sponsor these players want more they want to step off that field and win just when Australia was crying out for a hero they found one Matildas now get to measure themselves against world's footballing elite Till we outrun them. Keep it going, we're not done till it's done, all the way through. Till the pain pays off. Till we make you roar. Till we tell a bigger story. Till we settle the score. Till we stop them all. You can't beat the best. Till we do you proud. Not like the rest. We're not done. Till it's done. Radio Fremantle, one hundred seven point nine FM. I still like that ad for the for the Matildas. It's Till it's one, done. That's no, yeah. great. It did. Just gets me ready for this afternoon. Um, talking about someone else who's getting ready for this afternoon because his club's playing um, their games earlier today to get the game out of the way is Phil Kelly, who is a State League Standing Committee member, and he joins us for our Pick That Out of the Net session. So, Phil, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Pete. How morning yeah brilliant great day for football Uh, one of the the biggest days in the footballing calendar and it'd be interesting to see how we are um come this evening or tonight when both of these games today are over and done because it will shape the future of australian football i think it certainly will i haven't heard it actually sat back a little minute ago and i was listening to uh you talked to simon hill earlier and i have cut final nerves yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Breaking yeah. it, I, yeah. And and in, in yeah. and in other news, um, just to show his, his alignment with the Matildas, um, Pete destroyed a croissant this morning. <laughs> Mate, I'm 
Nice to see. That's good. That's a good omen, Pete, I think. I hope so. I hope. <laughs> if we lose, it's all my fault. <laughs> well, absolutely. I'm glad you're taking responsibility already. So we've got you to blame now. Yep. All right. Yep. Now, um, given given your connection to the State League and particularly State League 2, and I know that you, you're quite involved in you know commentating here and there on the the media pages, Um there's been a burning issue and we'd be remiss of us not to talk about it um, in as much as Morley Windmill's been deducted 21 points. Yeah, look, and it's, it's a difficult situation. Um, it's quite, and how it's eventuating now um, is, is probably getting worse and worse. So I guess what we've got to look at here is that the the breach itself, which was was, was a a category two breach yep. um, for breaching the NRSTR, um, which is the registration of players. It's an administration issue. Um, very, very separate. I mean, there's a lot of people making very emotive comments online about cheating and all sorts of things. And at the end of the day, it's an administrative issue. Um, but unfortunately, um, Morley as a club has been punished for. And I, I think um, if, you, if you look through it, and I know I, I did read one of the um, comments, which was from another State League Standing Committee member who said, we've been talking about this for six years. And I know myself, I've been banging a drum on this radio station about at some point, uh, one club is going to get a pineapple for this. Um, I know, but I've always, I've always predicted that this will happen. Oh, no, um, just the expression. That's yeah. all I'm laughing at. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, they have, haven't they? You know, and we've we've said this for a long time. Mark Twamley has said for six years the State League Standing Committee have been guiding yeah. other clubs in this, and um, you know, we have been. And, and yeah. I'm ashamedly put my hand up as chair of the State League Standing Committee. We have been pushing for the NRSTR to be enforced, probably for the best part of a decade. Yeah, um, and, and, and one of the one of one of the biggest. Well, challenge, most challenging elements of this issue, and it has far-reaching issues. I mean, it, what what we're talking about here is a club governance issue. Mm. Right? At the end of the at the end of the day, that's what this is. This is about club governance, and it's about creating a fair playing field. Now, I don't mind, and when people talk about you know, a free market and players being able to be paid whatever they want, I agree too. By the way, yeah, one hundred percent. But it needs to be done in a legitimate fashion where the players' rights are protected, where the club's rights are protected. uh, And and, and it's a deplorable thing that's happened in this game, is we have these benefactors that come into a club, walk into a club with a big bag of money and go, I'm going to do it my way, and I don't care about the government. And that's where the the conflict is. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know who's who's battering croissants in the background there, but it is quite um, distracting. But um, look, I think that the, the club governments governance side is one side of it, and obviously Football West, when 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 given evidence, and we're not talking about oh, I know Player X is is talk, walking away with a brown paper bag every Thursday night. This is actually documented evidence, so they've been able to action it. Came about. Paints, right? Yeah. Is, uh, this has been this has come about because there is a whistleblower within the club that's come out. Now you can talk about why that's occurred until the cows come home. Yeah. But at the end of the day, a whistleblower has come out with damning evidence. Yeah. Of, I mean, to 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 meet a category two breach, the breach needs to be systemic. It needs yeah. to be deliberate. 
and it needs to be significant. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's why Morley have been deducted 21 points. Yeah. Now, the, the, and some of the rationale has been hidden behind allegations of racism and the club not acting, uh, allegations the club hasn't acted on it. But it, look, for, for mine, um, these are up until it was all over the internet, an internal club matter that needed to be dealt with by the club internally. Well, it's an interesting point you make. So, right, so one, yes, 100%, it's an internal private issue within the club that needs to be done through its, through its constitution. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, this is a completely separate problem. So my understanding of the Molly situation is that the players, knew it, they've known about the 21-point deduction sometimes. Yeah. Everybody else found out about it last Tuesday. Yeah. But the players, the club, everybody else knew about this potentially coming for a significant amount of time. Mm. They were happy to play. They were going to play until the end of the season. Yeah. So the coaches and the players were all going to stay. There's a separate issue that's arisen that has created another problem within the club of Morley. Yeah. But it seems that now it's gone gone viral on the on the local page that it's everyone's got some skin in the game, pardon the pun, but um <laughs> But no, it, it it does, and people have something around an internal club matter, and everyone has got an opinion, and and other than the people involved in the club, no one really knows the full story of what's going on, and the club shouldn't have to be naming and shaming people who obviously need to have, if if the allegations are right, um, obviously need to be have their minds changed and comply, or um, as is possible be expelled from the club but you know we've got to address this racism in all its forms or any ism whether it's racism sexism um whatever you want to throw an ism on the end of we've got to stop it you know well all all, all forms of all forms of abuse are are wrong yeah and whether that's whether that's psychological abuse emotional abuse verbal abuse Mm. i mean it's it's a horrible issue with our game right our game has and this isn't like we need to admit yeah, has a, a systemic race and behavioural issue, race, racism issue, and it does because FIFA yeah. would harp on about it all the time. Unfortunately, we do have sexism issues, and we absolutely have behavioural. Well, every code does. There's, there's stories this morning about the AFL and the um, racism issues within particular clubs. So I suppose the thing is, club culture is one thing, and and who is responsible for the culture of a club? Well, that's absolutely very good point you make there, Sean, is it's the members of the club. And we need to get away from this, oh, this person runs this club and, mm. you know, he's a dictator and he runs the club. If you're at a club, any club in Australia, the way we're governed and run, it's the members that decide the, the political, cultural and systemic direction of that club. Mm. If you're at a club that has a racism issue or if you're at a club that has a governance issue or if you're at a club that likes to cheat or has a behavioural issue, you are the problem. Yeah. Quite uh, genuinely. I suppose look, there, there are two things. We, we talked about the governance and direction of a club. That's driven by the, the three key roles are the president, the secretary and the treasurer. And they all have, in some cases, legal requirements. And there are quite draconian penalties for people that can't run a club Property. You've just got to go onto the club's WA page and have a look at what the, the responsibilities of those positions are and what 
they're liable for should they break laws? Well, the biggest the biggest response that the president, secretary, and treasurer have at a club yeah. is to its members. Yes, that is that's its ultimate responsibility. And I think some people forget that. I think some people walk into a club. And they and, and and sometimes this isn't a bad thing, right? Yeah. You walk in and they're a benevolent dictatorship, acting mm. on the will of the membership. That's actually probably the best scenario. Yeah. Right. But we don't have that a lot in football, do we? We have it's my way or the highway. I'm the king. I'm the one providing the funding. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, look, there, there's a whole range of things that that goes into. But your club club's governance is guided by those three people. And, and they are the people that foster and look after the culture of the club, which is then determined by the membership. Yep. And there's too many people that are blissfully unaware of this. Yeah. That if you're playing at a club, you're a member at a club, you're responsible for its, its future direction. Yeah. And I think the more people that understand that you are the one responsible for the direction of your club, the better. And, and we should be educating people that, that it is absolutely their responsibility to take their club forward. So if you've got someone at, at the club who is breaching one of those um, cultural things, if you're, you know, um, if you've got someone who's completely misogynistic and is quite derisory towards any female members in the club, the, the club has a mechanism to deal with it. There's a complaint raised and then there should be um, some conversations between the, the board or a disciplinary committee and that person, and then there are a number of, of things that can happen with that person. Well, there should be a what we refer to in football as an MPIO um, process, yeah. and it should be covered in your constitution. But irrespective of that, any clubs participating in Football Australia, Football West, they are still governed by the MPIO. Yeah. Irrespective of whether or not a club has those processes in place. So if you are if you're going to your club, talk to Football West, talk to the FA mm. um, and, and get these issues. And have, you know If someone out there has an issue with their club and they want advice, ring me, Google my, Google me. And yeah, you know I mean? but also you've got other avenues out there. Football West do have some club governments information available. Clubs WA certainly do. And again... Um, there's lots of other people, um, club presidents around who know what's going on and how things should be, be done. And I suppose the thing is, and, and I'll, I'll talk about these allegations of racism and what have you, at what point should the governing body be involved? Well, I don't think it's their role. And I, and I know that might sound a little bit controversial, but when... I don't think in this time, right? And yeah. the governing body needs to evidence right yeah. so the evidence needs to be you can't just walk into someone else's house and demand they clean up what's going on yeah. right without a significant amount of evidence so if there is a breach under the MPI, MPIO provisions um, Football West they do have the power to take action against clubs but if However, you, but if you were a club there should be internal club issues but if you were a club that went to them and go look I've got this internal club issue I need some help um, you'd expect more back from Football West than other than it. It sounds like a you problem, not an us problem. Oh, one hundred percent. And look, I mean, having you know been at a club where that's occurred, um, my expectation of Football West is to offer some advice. Yeah. With respect to that. Okay. Um, and, and 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 I think that would be a starting mm. point. For, but for but if a if a team wanted to um, to play. 
um, obviously players from from one ethnic group who run out wearing white hoods and everything else. Um, imagine Football Westwood at that point go, hang on, we've got a problem. Um, well, they're, yeah, yeah they're, I mean, there's obviously, yeah, I think so. In that, yeah. in that particular particular scenario, yeah. you'd hope so, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but again, and I know we've we've had this. We we had someone who was um, quite derogatory towards referees on a consistent basis, and and you know there was a direction from Football West to gag that person, who wasn't associated with the club, by the way. But um, you know, so there is there is avenues to, to go through this. But when when it's an internal club matter, the internal processes of the club must come first, and then what happens if they don't address it? Well, and I mean, and we don't know what's going on. But no, no, I'm talking um, in general. I'm not talking about Molly. Oh, well, I'm no, talking I'm about looking, anyone. I'm looking, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the live example. I think we're seeing the side effects of inaction. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's the lesson for everybody here. Yeah. Is that, I mean, and, you know, and perceptions, real or otherwise, perceived or otherwise, sorry, mm. um, perceptions are reality. And yeah. if you don't deal with an issue... Um, to, I guess, the satisfaction of your members. There's a chance. There is a chance. Some or all of them may walk away. Mm. And it's potential that that's, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. No, look, I feel for them. It's not a situation that you want any club to be in and it's certainly not one situation. that's got the history that, that windmills have. Um, so, yeah, and then there's other fallouts. I mean, this, this week is the first week in, in a long, long time that uh, footballwa.net has not had a page running for this week. Um, and that's also, you know, yeah. because people have, have been affected by this a, across a number of areas. Uh, yeah, well, that, and look, and this is the thing, this is the, you know, broader impact mm. that something like this is having on... on Almost seemingly unrelated, and it just, it just shows you how important clubs are, and how um, it's important that we keep. We really do keep them together, and we have to improve this governance piece across the board. Um, it's, it's really the only way we can we can we can keep So, so from a from a state forward. a state league standing committee perspective. Um, does the state league standing committee themselves um, have any opinion on? the player contracts and, and where we should be in the future or is that something you're still developing? Well, I can only speak on behalf of the previous committee. Um, yeah. Obviously a new committee we'll con- we're convening in the next um, week or so um, for the first time. But, you know, all the incarnations of the committee for the last decade have been pushing for professionalism, pushing for where players are paid money is yeah. under a professional professional terms within the NRSTR. Um, yeah. And I would suspect that we would be in a similar vein going forward. So yeah. our push is going to be where a league is considered professional and NPL and state league who are, um, that there would, we would insist that all players potentially professional to yeah. prevent this now, you mentioned earlier about protections to player and club. So so what protections are there in a professional contract for a player? So the obligations of the club to fulfil its obligations for payment. So it will state very clearly how that player is to be reimbursed, when they're to be reimbursed, under what circumstances. Um, so we have these situations that have occurred. 
yeah. for many, many years where we get to July 1 and you know, things aren't going as well as they probably should and the, the club may or may not continue to pay their players. Oh, look, and historically, and, and look, I was playing State League myself you know, 30 years ago. Um, historically, some clubs had a bad reputation that if by about game six they weren't doing what they thought they were going to do, the money dried up. So I suppose from that perspective... Yeah. Um, not only that, I mean, it forces the obligations of clubs to pay these, pay these players regularly. So yeah. um, uh, it forces them to pay them as per the terms of the contract. Whether it's weekly, fortnightly, monthly, seasonally, whatever it may be, yeah. it's clearly contracted and mandated. Now, one of the, the things that gets fired back often is the semi-pro status. No such thing. doesn't exist. No, look, and I've said this, I've said this previously. Being professional is very much like being pregnant. You are or you're not. You can't be semi-pregnant. Yep. <laughs> no, it does, doesn't exist. A semi-professional player is uh, a bigfoot, a yeti. Does, yeah. it, it's a it's a it's a crypto contract. It doesn't exist. So, what protections are there then for the club? So, obviously, when you're investing in in a player, um, that player is then bound to your club. Um, for the term of the contract. Yeah. So that player cannot go chopping around and talking to other clubs, um, transferring without your knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it kind of prevents that player movement piece that is often quite an issue, particularly at this level. And what if a, a player, for whatever reason, um, decides to walk? Then you're in mutual determination um, Territory, but mm-hmm. they would not be able to go on for another club yeah. unless unless the club um, accepted that. Now, other things, the club may ask players to come and attend other functions as well, or host of other obligations that would, could potentially be included in the contract. Yeah. For example, not playing six aside on a on a Wednesday night. Um, some of your sponsors, but um, yeah. But and for example, like, but, but but to keep the players obviously injury free. Yeah, and and not to play in, in, in the in the social league under an, an assumed name or whatever. Yeah, hmm. so they're all good things. That, <laughs> let's, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it does provide the club with some protections, and you know, um, within within reason because you know I, I know one of our first team players rides a motorbike. Um, given that he's you know on such a, a small amount of money, you're not going to say well, you cannot ride a motorbike because that's his only means of transport. But, um, right. yeah. But I understand where you're, needs, where you're coming needs, from. It needs to be agreed, right? So yeah. you, I mean, and look, you'd be, as a player, would you agree to those substances? You may want to play six sides and you might want to, you want, that might be a defining factor as to why you don't play for that club. But is that something you There's can host, negotiate? Host 100%. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, so I think we, we've we've done that to death. I think you know people have got to understand that the the the, the twenty one point deduction had nothing to do with any other allegations, and that the other allegations are an internal club matter that the club must be given an opportunity to deal with in private. And as obviously, yeah, we have forfeited all three games today. Yeah, you keep on dropping off into the dungeon. Sorry. Yeah, you're in. Is that better? No, that's not at all. You need to stand on top of a pile of croissants. <laughs> yeah, that should be. Much yeah, better that is much better. Um, so, yeah. look, the thing is, um, 
Obviously, they've they've forfeited all three games today. Now, I believe that the State League made a very impacting decision a while ago because previously, if that was to happen, the club was turfed out of the league. Uh, yes, and we figured that, I mean, and look, from the experience of these circumstances in the past where clubs couldn't field an 18 team, et cetera, et cetera, um, we decided some time ago to soften that particular penalty to a 10-point deduction. Um, and then, you know, obviously we don't want to destroy the club um, merely because they couldn't field an 18. So we're talking, you know, in this scenario today, uh, we've, I remember us discussing it, actually, that four games in, in succession, sorry, three games in succession or four games over a season yeah. was enough, enough to trigger that penalty. Um, and... Um, with Morley forfeiting three games today, it's not, not looking promising. Mm. So a 10-point deduction on top of the 21 would almost certainly see them relegated. Um, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be helpful for keeping them in the league, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that, that then changes the dynamic within that league. But... Um, yeah, no. Look, it's it's not it's not a great situation to be in, and and I do feel for a, a number of those people at Morley that I do know quite well. Um, it's it's a space no one wants to be in. No, no, it's it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, we've never. I the time I've been involved in the state league, our club has never been forced to forfeit all three games. Mm-hmm. Um, not 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 under these circumstances. I mean, even COVID. Um, didn't, didn't create that scenario. So yeah, um, it's a very, very, very difficult and challenging environment. And I suppose the other thing is, as as a shot across the bows, because there's lots of talk now about, well, you know, why are they getting picked on? They're not the only ones. Um, and the amateur leagues have certainly come under a bit of scrutiny. Um, again, it's down to burden of evidence. I could tell you I'm paying a player $1,000 a week, it's still hearsay, until you've got actual evidence that it's happening, and that could be from either the player or the club. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you, issue. Look, I mean, I heard rumours about everybody, just about in at every club, yeah. um, over the year. The biggest issue is the burden of evidence, and um, a lot of the time, most people aren't forthcoming with that. But it's a lesson that it can come out. Yeah. And you may not be you may not be able to control even when it does. I don't understand why anybody would want to breach the NRSTR in particular. Yeah. Um, now, I know I hear all the same rumours you do about, about the clubs in the Amateur Premier League. Yeah. We've been trying to talk to Amateur Premier League clubs about creating a State League 3 um, for some time. Yeah. My caution to them would be that if you do want a State League 3 so you can pay your players, pick up the phone and talk to Football West. Mm. I, would not, I would not be paying players in the Amateur Premier League if I ran an amateur club. No, well, there are limitations under the NSTR, so that's, that's good. Um, is there anything else that, that's bitten you in, in the electronic media other than this particular issue? Uh, well, the, well, not really. There's not been much else other than everything relates to the Matildas. I love the fact that the game's being shown at the uh, amphitheatre at Optus Stadium today yep. um, on the big screen at the MCG. I think that is amazing for, for our game. It just shows you um, where where we've come. And I think 
echo Simon Hill's comments earlier. I hope it continues. I'm not confident that it will, but um, to have this kind of impact on the national psyche um, is just amazing, and it's great. It's great. To, great time to be alive, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Look, it's it's. You feel like you're on the precipice of something great, um, but at the same time, you could fall off that cliff and get very hurt. But um, that's, that's what worries me the most. Yeah, but, I, I, mean, but I'm very, I think, very nervous that it's today. Oh yeah, no. Look, and I think the whole nation feels that way. I'm just yeah. wondering, you know, whilst Australia's still in the competition, there's lots of interest and lots of tickets being bought and lots of media space being bought. Um, I think the not to have them involved. That may may drop off dramatically. Yeah, you're going to wonder, haven't you? I hope not, and that's the thing. I think we all do. We all yeah. hope that, that is the case. But um, hey, look, maybe hopefully we don't have to worry about it. Well, the thing is, and I suppose, look, today um, there's, there's still a lot of English people in Australia who will support England as long as they're in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many Swedes there are, but Miss Wards will get busy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, and Spanish, yes, there are an awful lot of, of Spanish people. So I think within our, our microcosm, we will have enough people. Um, you know yourself from the, from the team you're playing today. There's lots of Colombians around. Hopefully, they're yeah, distracted. Yeah, yeah, they'll be looking to watch that game tonight. Yeah, and um, obviously a lot of clubs have have taken advantage of this to um, have their first team games at one o'clock and then follow it up with um, a clubhouse full of people who are afraid to leave because the tillies are on. Well, in honesty, that's why we're having our game at one o'clock today because we want to enjoy the game as well. I think if you're having a watch party, you can have your game at three o'clock. Yeah, so that's, yep. that's the ruling. Um, but we figured we'd still move our fixtures forward so that everybody could uh, enjoy the game in the yeah. club rooms today. So, all right. Well, thank you for being on, Phil. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think there's some interesting things, and I think yeah, the more people that butt out of the the other issues around the, the Morley points deduction, um, the better, because it should be managed in-house by the club itself in the first instance. Absolutely. Look, the last thing we need are these social, you know, these keyboard warriors. <laughs> um, the most frustrating thing we have in any topic, no matter what it is, bushfires, COVID, climate change or football problems, the keyboard warrior, I hope it's, I hope it's something that's an endangered species. Yes, yes. All right, no worries. Thank you very much, Phil. No worries, guys. Talk to you soon. Yep, see ya. Thanks, Phil. All right, Phil Kelly there. Um, we're going to go into the ladies. Oh, you're going to turn it. No, if no, I had I the no. table up. Well, I'll get the adverts going. We're going no, to be back we've up. got it. We've got no. it. We've got it. So uh, looking at the – well, we'll start with the table. Uh, Perth Red Star are on top, and I think they can even clinch the title this week um, with a win because they're nine points clear currently ahead of Perth SC. Um, Fremantle in third on 34 points. Hyundai NTC fourth on 29. And down the bottom of the ladder, probably no surprise, uh, um, Curtin still on zero points. Yeah, no, they've had a very torrid time. Yeah, no, Them and Sevilla have both struggled. Woeful. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, woeful is not the right word. No. Um, 
a, a tough season. A, t- a very, very That's tough season yeah. for a number of reasons. And look, all credit to the girls. They're still rocking up, still playing. And, and, and last night's result was an 8-0 win to Mum FC over yeah. Curtin. So, uh, and then today we have Fremantle City at home against Subiaco. Again, that's part of Fremantle's Festival of Football, yep. um, which should be finished just in time for the Matildas game. Perth Red Star at home against Balcata Etna. Apparently that is still a 3 p.m. kickoff, as is Hyundai NTC against Perth SC in the Women's Premier Absolutely. Thank you very much, Pete. We're going to go to a break, and we'll be back after this with Sally Friedman, who is an author of a very interesting titled book. So we'll be back after these. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. And yeah, I thought we need a bit more patriotism on the day <laughs> like today. You know, it's getting in the mood for the Tillies this afternoon. Um, look, it's just a wonderful day to be alive. And joining us now on air is someone who's living in a wonderful part of the world called Switzerland, um, is the author Sally Friedman. Sally, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am awake. Uh, very early here in Switzerland. Oh, thank you for having what? me. Oh, no, no, thank you very much. Anyone who can get up at 5.40 in the morning to talk to me on the radio is, is a special individual. I do thank you for it. Um, what part of Switzerland are you in? I'm in a place called Neon. It's about 20 kilometres from Geneva on the French side on the lake. Very oh, it brings back uh, yeah. wonderful memories of Switzerland, one of my favourite places in the world. Um, now, you're a very, very well-credentialed individual, uh, a degree in psychology, a master's in business, sports management being the, the key part. Um, I imagine when you talk, people take you very seriously. Uh, you'd hope so, but that doesn't, <laughs> just because you have some qualifications, um, doesn't always mean you're taken seriously. Uh, and I've, yeah, as you alluded to in the intro, I, I struggled with some of the things about being a female working in a male dominated world and recently yeah. 
wrote a memoir uh, documenting it. I work in an industry that has been very male-dominated, and I know when I started in there 26 years ago, some of the things that happened were abhorrent, and it's not something that I can subscribe to. So um, you were involved in the 2015 AFC Asian Cup in Australia as the protocol manager. You've been in Melbourne City as the head of fan engagement, and you've worked within the Wellington Phoenix, all of which would be male-dominated. Um, what sort of experiences have you, you encountered? Sure. So some very positive experiences too. Um, I don't want to only shine a light on the, the stories which are in my book, which are around sexism, misogyny and gender inequality. Um, I've worked in football and sport predominantly for the last 10 years across the clubs you mentioned, the Asian Cup, and also... Lastly, four years in UEFA in Switzerland. Um, and throughout my career, unfortunately, there was a pattern of those topics that I just highlighted. And that's what drove me to, to write the book. So it wasn't a one-off incident or one person where it repeatedly happened. It was systemic. It was everywhere I worked. So on a weekly basis, I'd say I'd have a story that could have gone into the book. Not all of them did, clearly. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have written an encyclopedia. Um, but, you know, it, it ranged from comments. It ranged from not being even able to use a female toilet and being told to use the men's. Um, there are there are several anecdotes that are, that are within the book that then are backed up by research. Um, so I sort of intertwined some research into my own little stories. But, yeah, it, it, as I say, it ranges from... Comments, backhanded, um, and then situations that still to this day I can't believe happened but did and are still happening, such as not being able to yet use a, a toilet at a stadium know. and being told to use the men. It's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, um, we're talking about another ism in, with our previous guest and, and some of this stuff is still there. There's, there's a lot of casual isms yeah. um, where people just through history or the age or they grew up in the in, in the 40s and 50s um, where they make little social jokes which are not at all funny when when you're the victim of them um, and it's just the you know the the peer group accepts that and they all laugh and and when you look around the the only people not laughing are the women and and at that point you go no this is wrong I worked in a very male-dominated area where we we had a culture of pictures of naked women on walls, which we we then had to change. And a lot of the commentary coming back was, well, they're in a men's workplace, what do they expect? It was quite interesting because we actually had someone who was openly homosexual who had pictures of men on the wall with their hoses hanging out. (laughs) And the men went, oh, it's disgusting, you shouldn't have that. Now you've got an idea how the women feel. But, you know... It's that sort of stuff, the, the casual acceptance of the casual-isms that really enforce and then reinforce the, the bigger um, systemic, um, in, in your case, misogyny and, and gender bias. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. And I, I make it clear in the introduction in my book that it, I don't believe that it's men's fault. We are different. Men and women think differently. It's very hard for a man to think like a woman and vice versa because we are different. We have to respect and understand that. And we live and we've been brought up in a world that is full of gendered stereotypes. So sometimes it's a slip of the tongue. They don't even realize they're being sexist. It's just, as mm, you say, yeah. peer pressure or they've heard it. Or And that's why I thought, you know, if I write, at least it can act as a, as a tiny, tiny tool in this massive, complex jigsaw puzzle to help 
you know, a lot of my female friends have read it and said, you know what, this is great. I'm going to get my male partner to read chapter X because this is what I've been banging on about for so long and maybe this will help him yeah. um, understand it. And it's just, it gets other people talking. It's kind of the me too. And I've got a story like that too. And now that I've got the courage to speak up. So it, it's education that I think is is really lacking. Um, that culture that to change culture at the top is really hard. And hard, I, I find it me, very... Unless we, I, I do find it very difficult. I've been in boardrooms where senior managers have, have said things like, oh, that's woman's work, or, you know, I wouldn't understand that. That's that's what the girls should be doing. And, you know, I've addressed it, but there are other women in, in the room that laugh at it and encourage it. And you're going, well, hang on a second. No, you've got to, we've got to put a, a line under this. That's not acceptable to talk that way anymore. Yeah, and maybe they're laughing because it's a defence mechanism. They're not yes. brave enough to speak up. They think that, you know, it's kind of that nervous laugh of, oh, I know I should say something, but I won't. I'll just brush it under the carpet, keep calm and carry on. And I was guilty of that. Throughout my book, I talk about doing that sometimes. Yeah. Some mm. things that happen, I look back and I say, oh, gosh, why didn't I tell anyone? Why didn't I talk to HR? Why didn't I raise this at the time? Oh, I was new to the club. I didn't want to get sacked. I didn't want to make a storm out of a teacup. I justified not talking. Um, and, and then even when I was brave enough to talk up, speak up sometimes, nothing happens. So you feel like you're talking to a brick wall and then you go, what's the point? Mm. So then we need to change the culture of accountability and punishment because if girls and guys are brave enough to call it out, then change needs to happen as a result of calling it out. Otherwise, people will stop talking. Yes, absolutely. Um, are there any examples you're able to share with us? Um, of calling it out, or yeah. well, uh, the, well, it's the sort of stuff that you were subject to. You're, you're obviously um, highly intelligent woman from yeah. the book. I've seen the, the pictures. You're an attractive woman. You're also um, in, in. Well, to me, everyone's young now these days, but <laughs> you are a young, attractive, intelligent woman, and that in itself seems to be the problem for a lot of people. Um. Yeah. I mean. Examples, the one that just pops to my head that I haven't talked around um, in the, when we were chatting at the beginning. It's a very simple one, but it's the accumulation effect when these things happen day in, day out. So during COVID, as an example, yeah. um, we were all working from home. The whole world was working from home. And we got sent um, some backgrounds for our virtual backgrounds on Teams to use yeah. by UEFA. And they only featured men. Mm. Every, well, I was so excited. You know, when you're working yeah. in your kitchen every day, the small little things of getting a new virtual background was like Christmas. Hey, wow, we've got something different to stare at on our screen for the next week. Oh, a new background's wonderful. Let's have a look at this email. Click on all four of them. White men, white men, white men. It's like, oh, women don't play football. Mm. Um, so, so I raised my voice and I emailed the appropriate colleague at work to ask, oh, Sally, yeah, you're not the first person that said that. You're right, we're... I think it was just an IT person that, that designed these and they wouldn't have thought and they, they, they've just put men. But for the next slot, we'll change it to, to include some women. And I was like, for the next slot? Like, why not do it now? It's a five-minute job. I could do it myself. Yeah. Um, and there's 800 staff using these every day, internal, external. If we're meant to be promoting equality, why not show that women are 50% of the population? Um, and so... but. I raised my voice. I did what I could. I did it in a professional way. I was told that other staff had raised it too. And then three months later, oh, guess what? Another email, another virtual background, round of virtual backgrounds. I opened everyone and the same thing. And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not even going to speak up again. I'm just going to make my own. 
and it took me less than two minutes. Yeah. I got some um, pictures that I liked that showcased diversity, kids playing football, boys playing football, ladies playing football, put Brighton Hove Albion on there, that's yeah. my favourite team. And I then I just used that background as a little statement and every single meeting I had from that day onwards, wow, Sally, I love your background. Wow, Sally, I love yeah. your background. And I still use it to this day. Yeah, and I I'm... tell the story because it's just something so simple, yet it wasn't going to happen even after you speak up. No, and that's what I love about the, the pictures I see out of junior football here where you've got, you know, the, the six and seven-year-olds running around. They they are some of the most diverse games you'll ever see. Yeah. There's boys, there's girls, there's every race is, is in there. And it's fantastic. Um, so I suppose, look, the, it's quite interesting because you're obviously an advocate um, against misogyny and, and gender bias. Um, and yet the title of your book, which we haven't mentioned... <laughs> We've linked to it on our Facebook page, yeah. but but you know, I, I look an interesting title, and it was one of one of our favourite chants in the shed. But you know, um, it is extremely misogynistic within its within its origin. Yeah, I mean, you're probably embarrassed to say it out loud on radio, and don't worry if I'm not allowed, I won't say no, it. No, no, look, I I will I will disclose that the title is "Get Your Tits Out for the Lads." Um, which is one Thank of the most you. misogynistic <laughs> statements I've ever heard. But, you know, um, and quite ashamedly, yes, I've I've said that a few times in the shed. Yeah, and, you know, and, and it's quite the first interviews I did for my book were on BBC in the UK and ABC in Australia. The BBC host was live and said, oh, I think I might get the sack if I say this title out loud. Um, and the ABC host had to seek editorial permission because I did it recorded before she could put the piece out to check yeah. that the title was okay. And then she had to put a little, if you've got children in the car, please cover their ears. And I thought, come on, in what day and age are we living? If it's okay for a group of men to scream and shout it at me plenty of times in football stadiums, and yeah. I revealed yeah. the story behind the title in my first chapter. Yeah. And we can't say it on, on radio. What world are we living on? living in again um you know and and as a sending a media release out every email filter puts it into spam because they think it's pornographic <laughs> yes yeah yeah it's okay for hundreds of men to scream it to to women so oh. it's an eye-catching title it's memorable um from a marketing and communication background which is where i come from that yeah. was one of the other reasons i chose it um, but also, as I say, the story behind the title was revealed in the first chapter and it was a chance said to me at UEFA Euro 2004 in Portugal. Yeah, look, I, I grew up in an age where, you know, um, builders and people used to wolf whistle at girls walking down the road and thought that was the, you know, that they'd be going, oh, what a wonderful compliment. I've just had a whole load of greasy, stinky men whistle at me, <laughs> just what I wanted when I walked out of the house this morning. Um, but I've also watched some of the things that I used to enjoy watching as a young boy growing up, things like the carry-on movies, which mm. when you look at them now, I cringe. They're, they're so misogynistic and, and the, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I feel confronted when I watch them now and, and obviously I've, I've changed and grown as a person and I think a lot for the better. But, you know, um, so some people still switch them on and laugh and think, oh, that's really funny and that's it's not something we should be encouraging. Mm. No, and I am a little bit hopeful that we're seeing change. Uh, a couple of friends of mine have children, and they recently took them to McDonald's Happy Meal, whatever it is, and they got the little toy, and it wasn't a toy. It was a little book about sexism. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's, a, there's an idea for me. Maybe I should write a kid's book and tell it to McDonald's, <laughs> and I can retire tomorrow. Um, 
but you know there there's there's little things in education that are changing i a lovely little anecdote that stayed with me from my recent trip to australia um was when i was flying i think from uh, perth to sydney and i was on that a long flight and across the aisle there were young boys sitting opposite me seven years old at a guest and they had a women's fifa world cup sticker album and they did not shut up for three four hours about Sam Kerr, Steph Catley, swap you this, swap you that. <laughs> yeah. And for the entire flight, they were staring, looking, talking, discussing women's football. And that, for yeah. me, is wonderful. Little boys especially. Because when I grew up as a little girl, there was no Women's World Cup sticker album. No. The Women's World Cup only existed shortly after I was born, I think. Um, yet, oh, you okay. know, the, the, the sticker album on my shelf is Italia 90. Yep. And that's yeah. the Men's World Cup. Whereas these boys will grow up knowing that girls play football, probably keep that sticker album forever on their bookshelf. And that's brilliant. You know, so I am hopeful that we're changing. In my own way, I mean, a lot of people refer to Sam Kerr, the female football player. To me, she is Sam Kerr, the football player. Yeah. The yeah, gen- forget the, the gender. We the can gender is not important. Yeah, the, exactly. she, she is one of the most talented footballers in the world, and that's not gender specific. She's just when I've seen her live, and even back then when she was playing in in the um, the W League, uh, every time she got the ball, yep. you knew something was going to happen. Mm. You know, and that's yeah. she's a special individual, and I think yeah, we just got to enjoy that. Um, football so, is football. Chloe Kelly just scored a penalty that was faster than any male Premier yes. League goal yes. last season. Oh, 111 no. kilometres an hour. And so as soon as, soon as the, she hit The women that. can't kick, the women are slow. Yeah. All of these anecdotes that we hear are yeah. false, a lot of them. They're not I, even accurate. I think this World Cup has turned people around. Some of, some yeah. of the, the, the goals have been sublime. The quality of play has been as good as anything else I've seen. Um, you know, women's football at the highest level, I'll put it up against anything. It's been fantastic as a tournament. And I, I think, agree you know, with you. I agree with you. Yeah, it's been brilliant to watch. Um, Sally, for those of you who... Sorry, Sally, can I ask you a really quick sort yeah. of off-topic off question? Sure. Um, I, yeah. What does a protocol manager for the AFC Cup do? Protocol manager looks after VIPs um, and, believe it or not, that's, that's not just very important people. There are very, very important oh, people. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Levels yeah. of hierarchy. Yeah. Um, so I was in charge of looking after all of the signatories, the princes, the princesses, the prime ministers, the lord mayors, the player families, all of those very important people that come to matches. And the hiring of the the bowers and scrapers. Yeah, exactly. And and want to sit here and want to eat this, don't want to drink this, but must drink this. Um, Those type of people um, that need looked after are obviously very important. And um, that was my role. So any events that were happening around the match, match day minus one training, they would usually come to that too. Um, So it's organising all the logistics uh, around those people. P- picking all the brown M&Ms out, out of the bowl, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Believe yeah. it or not, I did get asked to make sure a fruit platter had no fruit on it that could possibly go brown, so you're yeah. not far off. Um, <laughs> and, and look, the one yeah. the one that does interest me was the, the head of, of fan engagement mm. um, for Melbourne City and, you know, um, Perth Glory have just had a fan representative group announced to, to kind of address that sort of thing. So I might even okay. send you a message or two outside of this radio program. <laughs> um, look, Sally, it's great. The, the book is available in all decent bookshops, um, even despite yeah. the title, which is Get Your Tits Out for the Lads. And I think it's a very good um, and grabby title. It's certainly... Um, <laughs> 
raises yeah. the, raises knowledge of how casual that ism can be and misogyny can be. And I think you know everything we do to educate each other around um, sexual equality. And I think you know, personally, I see a lot of adverts now where where the men are traded as the the sex objects of sexuality and as being the dumb ones. And I don't like it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So again. It's we've got to even that playing field at some point, and gender becomes non-important. Yeah, no, thank you very much. The book's available at all good bookshops in Australia. It's also available online at Fair Play Publishing um, and Amazon.com.au. As Absolutely, well. thank you very much for your time this morning, Sally. For getting up so early. No problem, Sean. Good luck to the Tillies. Good luck to England. Absolutely. Uh, I can have some breakfast now and then uh, relax and enjoy the matches today. And the Premier League starts, so well, I've got football right. all day. I was going to talk to <laughs> Hayley earlier, but she got tickets to the England game, so she's on a plane. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good excuse not to talk to you. It's the, but, um, it's the only excuse. <laughs> thank yeah, you. it's going to be a great, great day for football. Thank you, Sean. Have thank a lovely you. afternoon and, and enjoy the matches later. You too. See ya. Thank you. All right. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Okay, that's about us, I think. Um, look, thank you for listening. Um, Pete, thank you for being in and doing such a wonderful job. Um, I know I've thrown you a couple of curveballs along the way. No, we're, we're good. We're yeah, good. So thank you all listening at home. Three o'clock, Tillies. Go the Tillies. That's all I've got to say. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.